Welcome to Vossa, celebrating Pacific and Papua New Guinean voices and discussing our future. Vossa is a storytelling project driven by experts and creatives in the region with support from the World Bank in the Pacific and Papua New Guinea. Bolavinaka! My name is Arieta Rika and I am your host. Welcome to our second episode celebrating International Women's Day. In our last episode, we were joined by amazing women leaders from across the Pacific, and today we are fortunate to have two amazing female pioneers from Papua New Guinea. I'm honored to share this talanoa with Dr. Pamela Toliman and Emma Watpi. Dr. Pamela was recently awarded a PhD from her research undertaken through the Kirby Institute at the University of New South Wales. Her thesis looked at innovative approaches for cervical cancer screening in Papua New Guinea, where cervical cancer is the leading cause of cancer-related death in women. Emma is a leading social entrepreneur and a community development specialist in Papua New Guinea. Emma's background is in health, and more recently, she has been working on Jiwaka Coffee, a social enterprise in Kukwa Village in Jiwaka Province, a region that represents 85% of Papua New Guinea's coffee producers. The goal is to positively impact 7,000 households in the next seven years through ethical coffee. So there's a bit about our guests today, and I hope, as always, that you enjoy Atalanoa. Thank you again both for being here for this special discussion. I might ask you, Pamela, you know, from your experience, what is so important about having women in leadership in Papua New Guinea, especially now? Well, I think um, it's first and foremost, I think it's important to have women in leadership just because of representation. I feel that um, women, um, we have to represent that half of the population. Um, And I just think that for so long, um, the issues of women have just kind of fallen to the back because there aren't women, you know, women haven't been given the same kind of access and um, um, I I guess the same sort of um, capacity to be able to lead. I mean, it's certainly changing. I don't want to be sort of sound, it's doom and gloom, but just from that perspective of representation, I think it's really important. I think in like, for example, I work in in that cervical cancer prevention space and um, I've really recognised that cervical cancer, although there is a, so so just very quickly, cervical cancer is very different to other cancers like breast cancer or ovarian cancer. It's caused by um, an infection. It's caused by persistent infection of a virus called human papillomavirus. So it is actually a preventable cancer compared to other cancers. And the fact that um, we can prevent it and we don't or we can't or we're not choosing to commit resources to do it um, is, you know, should enrage people. You know, this is something that is causing the death of, you know, a quarter of a million women are dying every year. 85% of those women are in low-middle-income countries such as in the Pacific. Um, Why are we, why, why aren't people angry why aren't people you know really concerned about this and I I think it's because 
you know, majority of countries, men have been making decisions about what happens. So just being able to have women in positions of leadership enables us to kind of bring out those issues that are really, really uh, are affecting our lives. Yeah, totally agree with you. And uh, Emma, I'm also interested to hear your thoughts on why women in leadership is so important right now in Papua New Guinea. Thank you. Yes, I agree with what Pamela was saying in the in the bigger scheme of things and politically having that voice. Um, just working with communities and seeing how it is, um, you know, it's the women actually who are handling the day-to-day family decisions, budgeting for family, uh, moving family forward, how to work. Yes, men take the lead in how they present themselves in the communities, but in the background, it's the women who know really in depth everything that's happening and they act as advisors to men. And um, then the men can, you know, make that more informed decisions because the women have their hands on everything and are involved in everything that happens. And to take that knowledge and to bring it out into the bigger scheme of things to do, you know, when you're talking about budgets, cancer, transport, education, infrastructure, it's the women who really feel the the brunt of the weight of the moving things forward. Um, they carry their families, their communities on the shoulder. They move things forward. Um, and so having that in-depth understanding and then encouraging women and young women into positions of leadership gives them a, helps them to bring more in-depth conversations and to see things that might be overlooked, um, especially in a country where, you know, 85%, 80 to 85% of our people are rural remote based issues around infrastructure, health service delivery, education. I think women have that capacity to point out little things like Pamela said, the nuances, little things that will make service delivery into these places more, that'll have an impact, that'll have more impact and to to carry it out well. So women unconsciously are involved in everything and men recognize that, but how do we bring that cultural aspect out and then mold it in a way that, you know, and especially with healthcare as well, how, how do we educate men to understand women and help the men to understand women's perspective and women's thinking? I think that's a huge area. So as we get more women into leadership and have that conversation um, to help men understand that, you know, traditionally we've been doing this, it's just looked like this. Now, as we're moving forward, how can we have a more, uh, more public um, interaction with men and women? Um, in that arena rather than this village setting where the women were in the background and the men take the leadership but the women are there in the back how do we now move forward in this era how do we move forward together and everyone contribute in the round table and be more public in how we uh, we accept women's views and acknowledge them more publicly as well and respect them in that public setting that's really interesting, Emma. And as you were sharing, I, I really uh, resonated. A lot of what you have shared resonated with me because the most impactful women leaders in my life 
the women in my home, the women in my family. And you're right, you know, I could see that reflected in my own life and in my own community as well, how women just have their hands on everything. Thank you for sharing um, your thoughts on this. And as you were both speaking, I was thinking to myself, you know, as we, that some people argue that you cannot be what you cannot see. Well, you're, you're, you're so right. I mean, like, how can we expect people to be what they can't see? Um, how do you go into a space where, you know, you, sometimes it's kind of chartering a space where you are the first, like you are the first. How do you handle that so that you, you know, think about the legacy that you're creating and thinking about the role modelling that you're trying to be for, for other young girls? Like the Kirby Institute where I did my PhD at UNSW has had this really long, almost 20, over 20 years sort of um, research relationship with Papua New Guinea and the Papua New Guinea Institute of Medical Research. It took them up until 2020, 20, sorry, 2016 when I commenced my PhD, they had not had a Papua New Guinean do a PhD through the Kirby Institute. There were other Papua New Guineans who'd done PhDs through UNSW, but not through the Kirby Institute, which is this huge, like, premier type of institution that does research into infectious diseases in the world. They're an absolute leader. And it had, they'd done so much work in Papua New Guinea, and yet it took so long to have a Papua New Guinean do a PhD with them. And I was, I was not only the first, but I was the first woman um, and, I, you know, it just, you sort of think about that. And then I was doing a topic that was so um, significant to the women, not only in Papua New Guinea, but in the Pacific. Um, so you think about, you know, how do we, there are so many women who are being the first in this region, doing so many things. Um, and so how do you um, think about, you know, the legacy that you're leaving behind? And importantly, how do you create a space where women can come to you and learn from you and network with you? And, and how do you sort of lead by and have that sort of nurturing within your leadership? So we've just, yeah, just recently, it's amazing you asked, we've had these really interesting conversations around that and building other women up um, and, and encouraging and, and really building a sisterhood that isn't about um, backbiting and tearing women down, but it's about lifting and enabling and just, just sort of backing your sisters, yeah, like really backing them, not just in words but in actions. You know, if you have an opportunity and you can't, for some reason you can't take it, you know, sponsor another woman, you know, bring another woman into the conversation and say, hey, I have a, I have a, you know, a colleague who's done this kind of work. Can I bring her into the conversation? So we need to start looking at opportunities of bringing women forward with us and, and, and creating space that our sisters can come in and occupy. That's amazing. You know, I was getting a bit emotional hearing you, um, share your thoughts on how we can create safer spaces for women to become leaders or become the first in their field. And, you know, we also had another episode on International Women's Day and it was um, a regional focus and we had guests from Fiji, Marshall Islands and also Solomon Islands and they all said the same similar things about you know women and you know and, and also like um yeah how to create safer spaces for women why it's so important for women to support one another 
and really back each other. So it's interesting to hear you say that because that that came through strongly um, from fellow, you know, sisters across the Pacific. They have said that too. And Emma, I'd like to give you an opportunity to also share your thoughts um, and your experiences on how we can um, support young women and girls to move into leadership in Papua New Guinea as well. Thank you. Um, Pamela, I really loved your statement about women don't want to move forward by themselves, but want to carry the community with them. And what I found was just informally through my network, um, I've just had the privilege of working or meet, you know, being friends with really amazing women doing great things. And it's through the, these shared interests. Like just last week, um, there's a teacher in Port Mosby who's passionate about writing. I have two friends that are that want to encourage the writing uh, within PNG culture and just get young people writing their stories and uh, talking about their narratives and their perspective of going through in life. And so what these two women have done is um, created a club of sorts where they bring inspirational women in to talk to young girls about the pathways that they have and the opportunities that they have before them. And so last week, um, Betty, she took, I think, four or five young women to um, St. Joseph's, I think it was, and had an aeronautical engineer, the first women aeronautical engineer, come in and talk about how she became that and the challenges she faced and what, you know, what was needed, her support systems and things like that, so the young girls could be aware I also have another amazing friend, Vani Nadis, where she's created a e-hub, a space uh, where she's just really passionate about entrepreneurship with young people and young people help fall out um, through our education system and don't have that um, opportunity to move forward in their education. And she was one of them. She could not move forward in her education after the 10th grade because she didn't make the final cut to go into high school. And she had to find her own way. Um, so she's opening these ideas up and saying, you know, there's not only one way, one path to success. Because in our country, a lot of the time, educational priorities are given to men or young boys and um, women get left on the side. I really agree with you on that point. Like, I think it's, we had a, you know, at the start of the year, we have the kind of church dedication, at, you know, dedicating the kids before they go back to um uh, school, commence school. And just these conversations about to, to parents, you know, talking to parents, it's so important to encourage parents to have the same vision that they have for their sons to have also for the daughters, right? Because um, you're right, because, you know, we, we know that, you know, in the past or it probably continues today, you prioritise your resources to support the male child, assuming that the male child will be able to go further. But, you know, uh, you know, in the east, like my my home province is East New Britain, and in the um, I don't, can't remember the actual actual figures, but the proportion was that seventy five percent of the students that achieved um, who secured a place at tertiary institutions in Papua New Guinea from East New Britain seventy five percent, so three quarters were female. You know, girls are doing so well at school. You know, which sort of you know flags that we probably need to attend to our boys which we, you know we need to sort of look at perhaps the reasons why they're not um, achieving um, and we're not seeing a sort of an even split but 
gosh, you know, we need to be encouraging parents and, and communities to also have the same vision um, for our daughters um, as, they, as you would for, 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 ma for, ma for male children. So I just wanted to add that, Emma. I really, yeah, absolutely agree with you. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, and, and having these people of influence where the community respects, you know, people like teachers, people like nurses and pastors, having them enforce this um, and what, what Mel is saying, having them say this gives more weight to, to this idea, this notion of moving forward and helping, giving that equal opportunity to the young women. So really targeting um, our, our campaign towards, towards these institutions and agencies within communities and helping them to realize it's their responsibility as well to be talking to the communities about this and not, not letting it go, you know, but picking up on that and not lecturing, but how do they facilitate it to the community so that the community understands what's happening and the need to move forward in this manner now. You can't just be stagnant and remain the way you were. You, times are changing. PNG needs to be, you know, meeting up. The world's coming to PNG. For a long time, PNG has been uh, on the wayside and people have lived the way they have. And th there's this issue of fatalism as well, where people have this idea that, you know, nothing's changed. It's going to be the way it was. But you are seeing change even in the rural remote communities now and the world is coming in. So how do you, and that's one of the conversations you can have is now, how do you prepare yourselves to meet the world? And women have a role to play in this. Both men and women have to move forward together to meet the world. So just really raising all these ideas that maybe are a bit new to the community and how do you, in, and because it's new, that gives a leeway for women to have a foot in the conversation in the door because the idea is so new, both men and women will be able to participate. If it was an old traditional idea, then it, it will go in the way that it usually goes in um, with the male leadership. But because, and that's the other thing, just bringing new ideas in creates more space for women to participate. So understanding the cultural context, bringing new ideas that will impact a community, will impact, an, uh, you know, a uh, village. And then because it's such a uh, new idea, because it's something that will impact everyone, that opens up conversation for everyone. And so women then and young girls then can have that um, opportunity to talk and see and see where their place in the world will be as well. And that's where teachers and other people like that can really instill hope and instill just resilience in young women to pursue and persevere in pursuing their dreams and uh, seeing that there is there is a way out and that they can achieve what they want to achieve. Yeah, it's, um you know, I'm hearing from you both, Emma, that, um, and I agree with this wholeheartedly, that supporting girls and women to become leaders or to forge pathways, new pathways, is everybody's business. It's um, responsibility of parents, of teachers, of communities. It's, you know, it's not just down to um, young women uh, to forge a new path for themselves. And as we look forward to the future, what would you like to see in terms of leadership in your own community when it comes to women leaders, 
What is your vision for the future? That's a really big question. <laughs> Emma, do you want to? Because, I mean, it's such a huge question, right? And as we were just like, for example, we just touched on education and we had to ask these kind of frank questions like, is the current education uh, curriculum really preparing our kids, um, boys and girls, for a successful future in this new global environment? You know, um, you know, do we really need to rethink how we've been doing? Like um, I had a conversation just yesterday with a good friend of mine and we were talking about how we're just not teaching uh, women, what I mean, both women, you know, so you should say girls and boys, but coming from the perspective of women, we're just not teaching um, women early about money. And we are not, um, you know, I think, so I, I was listening to a talk that, that said that people don't talk about financial literacy anymore, but they talk about financial competency. And yeah, just this idea of, we're not we're not we're not teaching these things in school we're not teaching kids how to sure they learn how to add and subtract for example but we're not teaching them about money in the sense of responsibility around money in response you know in response to living within their means um, understanding debt understanding how banks banks work and financial systems work um, and you know things like that so I'm just I'm just saying that if we want a different world for for our young girls. You know, if I want a different world for my daughter, we do have to question the things that we take for granted. We kind of have to rethink a lot of the things that we teach um, kids for success in the future, you know, whether it's health and nutrition, whether it's money, whether it's conflict resolution, you know, how to have adult conversations, how do you actually handle tension and conflict without, I mean, and we, we um, Emma and I are from a country where gender violence is so prevalent, you know, something like two out of three women um, would have had experienced um, physical or sexual violence. Um, how do we um, teach our girls to be able to articulate you know, and, and be confident in themselves that they can recognise when um, they're in unsafe spaces and, uh, and, and unsafe relationships. And um, also how do we teach our young boys to, you know, not uh, to, to, to sort of recognise that they we have a lot of male modelling that is not um, very healthy for families and communities. So it's it's for me as thinking about the future and thinking about the, the 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 country and the region that I hope that we will leave for our sons and daughters. I mean, without health and healthy nations in the Pacific, we can't achieve all of our dreams and aspirations. We need to recognise that, you know, we turning back to the land and eating from our gardens rather than eating, you know, that sort of Western-influenced diet has really... Um, has really affected the the populate the health of our populations and we really really need to start you know making those kind of observations and saying you know something has to change there's a reason why you know um you know going back to sort of garden diets and thinking about things like that basic things that prevent um lifestyle diseases so I want to see you know a healthy pacific I want to see um our children thriving um, but we might have to revisit some of those things that we take for granted, like our education system and, 
yeah, I mean, this is sort of my kind of, that's a really, really big question. <laughs> Thank you for answering it. We, yeah. you know, you answered it very beautifully, but I think that you have given a really beautiful answer and that, you know, it's a really lovely place to end today's discussion. Vinaka, and thank you for tuning into this special episode of Vossa. As always, please share your thoughts with us via Vossa Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We love hearing from you. Our audience is growing, and we're really enjoying seeing your thoughts and conversations extend beyond each episode and onto social media. Keep it coming. And until next time, and as always, Vinaka Vaka Levu, and I look forward to sharing our next episode with you soon.